Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. We're here with Zachary Barker. Zachary is the founder, the CEO of the Startup Support Center. Is that right? Yeah. Founder, CEO, the head Sherpa. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the top and the bottom of the food chain at the same time. So, yes. <laughs> well, fantastic. Welcome to the show I'm, today. I'm the one it ends with. Good deal. Zachary and I, we met at OUEDI in Fort Worth three, four years ago. It was the same OUEDI that I met Stuart McGregor. Did yep. you? I just did a podcast with him. I don't know yeah. if you listened. Oh, I, I yeah, I did. I love Stuart. He's he is he's one of the best, of the best of the best. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. He's a a great guy. Kind of had a little fun with uh, titling his podcast. Is Stuart McGregor the friendliest economic developer? <laughs> and all of his friends had to chime in. It had to comment. It had to say. It had to share it. And it was great. Anyway, you and I we had a good time. We had classes together, and we talked a lot uh, about sort of entrepreneurship and and how it related to economic development and sort of from our perspective is coming from an entrepreneurial space or being more entrepreneurial than necessarily economic developers, we sort of saw opportunity and we saw um, challenges and we and we just saw whole like swaths of the industry that that were ripe for change and development and opportunity. <laughs> you uh, are now in Colorado Springs. John, we're recording this. You're you're sitting outside. Um Whereas I'm inside in, in uh, Galveston County, Texas, it's, <laughs> it's hot, it's humid. You look great. How are things going for you? Really well. Um, it, it's, it's been an interesting transition. I think, uh, well, I know whenever we were all hanging out at OUEDI, I was in Lafayette, Louisiana, and running the entrepreneur program for uh, Lafayette Economic Development. And uh, yeah, just a few years ago, my wife and I... Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with Louisiana. We just vacationed a lot, hiking, biking, rafting, skiing, things like that. And uh, we just thought, you know, we're young. And if we want to go do something, you know, we can always go home. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we kind of fell in love with Colorado Springs. It's uh, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. And I would tell you that this is it has all the components of Nashville before it became the Nashville everybody knows now. It's kind of the when Nashville was a little more sleepy and like you, if you were there, you knew something big was happening, but on the outside, you didn't really see it. Um, that's how it is here. And that's why we picked here. Uh, and that, and the fact that, yeah, it's like 89 degrees and 10% humidity and it's sunny every day. And there's, you know, 50 craft brewers here. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> that, that and the marijuana. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I, I laugh because I go in Louisiana you can buy drinks and take them in the street. And nobody cares, but you can't buy marijuana here. You can buy marijuana, but don't you dare take that drink across that little yellow line over there. Or the cops will come <laughs> over and jam you up. I just go, man, I think everyone, I think everyone is a little disassociated from reality when it comes to alcohol and marijuana and how they regulate it in cities. So, but that's a, that's a policy question for a different day. I'm if they ever Absolutely. elect me to something, I'll fight that fight. <laughs> Good deal. So uh, you're now doing uh, entrepreneurship, 
entrepreneurship-led economic development, or as you call it, uh, what is it, ETI-led programming. Correct. So what is ETI and, and how does that work? What is that? Yeah, uh, so ETI is uh, entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. And so why I differentiate some of that is, is a lot of times people assume entrepreneurship is shark tank, right? We need a million dollars and we need, you know, these crazy inventions or we need software people who are going to start Google. And the reality is, look around your community, who makes up your city. It's mostly people who saw a gap in a local marketplace you know, built it. And, and I use examples of like bars and restaurants. You know, we love the cultural pieces. They're fantastic entrepreneurs and they fill major gaps. Not every city is going to have a billion dollar unicorn who goes, you know, and gets on the stock exchange. Uh, but from that, you, if you can get the entrepreneurs to learn how to access and use technology, then they can become innovative. And this is, it's, it's kind of a mindset, I guess, more than anything is, you take entrepreneurs who see a gap, you give them the tools and tactics and techniques through technology, and then you challenge them or you, you kind of push them into the places where you go, like here, they didn't do to-go drinks and then COVID hit. And all of a sudden it's like, what a great innovation to package drinks to go. And, and you kind of would go like, I don't know how innovative that is. It's innovative for here because it's disruptive. You know what I mean? So when you right. take the entrepreneur, you give them a tech, a technology platform, like online ordering, you give them packaging that's unique so that safe travel is now allowed and legal for the police. Um, and then you've created an innovative model. And so that's what ETI is, is leveraging those kind of three components of the triangle to really accelerate entrepreneurship within communities, cities, economic development ecosystems. And I, I think that's got to be an interesting challenge because taking as an example, bars and restaurants, people who start bars and restaurants, they're starting bars and restaurants because they like food, they like people, they like to you know serve, <laughs> they like to do all that stuff. Yep. They're not thinking about any of this other stuff. Right. So how do, you, how do you help them make the transition? Well, and so I think that the biggest way that this kind of ETI model works is really through economic development because... You think about our job as economic developers, where one of the core tenets of what we do is business retention and expansion. You know, it's our job to go work with local businesses to find ways to increase their effectiveness and for them to stay in business and for them to expand that business. And so what's interesting is, is I think you're spot on. People who start businesses, I call them the technician or a technical person. So a great example is, is that a plumber usually starts a plumbing company, but not because they're great at selling plumbing or they're great at doing taxes or contracts. They're great at doing plumbing. And so what happens is, is they start a plumbing company, they get a lot of business because it's a demand-driven business, but then they go, man, if I'm going to survive, I've got to figure out how to become efficient in what I'm doing. And that's where technology kicks in. So that substitutes the administration side for them. So instead of having to hire a ton of stuff, they can maintain to the point that now you can hire an office manager and a bookkeeper and, you know, a training director. And from that, the way that they'll be able to scale is using the technology to create then innovative opportunities. You'll see a lot of plumbers get into HVAC. It's not that plumbing is HVAC, but it's not too far of a stretch. But once you have a solid business model, you're able to sell, you learn how to become a deal maker and generate leads. And you have technology that allows you to administrate more effectively and efficiently. 
now you can look for opportunities in marketplaces. Uh, and a quick example, we have a guy here in town. He's a plumber, master plumber, hired a couple guys, realized, man, he's a little in over his head. So he went and he got some technology set up to create more efficiency so he could do more plumbing and less administration. Well, then they scaled. And now he's got uh, 40 plumbers, five trucks, you know, he's multi-million dollars in assets. Well, now he's innovating because the state of Colorado is requiring continuing education for plumbers. Well, he is out of the day-to-day plumbing because he's not so deep in the doing. Now he's seeing it as a real entrepreneur, as a business owner and going, you know what? We're more than qualified to do this. And so they still, they opened up a plumbing academy that does continuing education. And they are one of two in the entire state of Colorado. They're going to eclipse their revenue from training multiple folds over from the plumbing business itself. And that's where I would say is if the business retention people are out talking to these owners, you can help them improve entrepreneurial skills, give them technology and then allow them to become innovators because they are smart and they are dynamic and they do see through the cracks. What you have to do is you have to give them enough space to breathe in order to see that. And then all of a sudden you go, I mean, he's, I don't put him out, but like, he's even said like, man, we, you know, we might just do this all the time because it's, it's easier. It's more efficient. The profit margins are, you know, 70, 80%. And so what an innovator, you know, he may become the, the leading continuing education for blue collar professional development in the state of Colorado. And three years ago, he was a plumber with one truck. So, right, right. And so I, I guess that's good because entrepreneurs, they see opportunity mm-hmm. somewhere they, or they fall into it and they, you know, like you said, they're, they're the technicians, they're the workers, they're, they're doing it on a day-to-day basis, but they, but they originally saw this opportunity. They didn't go out and get a job. They found a need and they filled it. And you're right. They get in over their head. And I think so often what happens is somebody starts and they do this and they, and they work hard and they, you know, they've created a job for themselves. Their business isn't really a a business as much as it's a job for themselves. And maybe they work on that their entire life and then they get old and they want to retire (laughs) and they say, you know, who am I going to pass this on to? What, you know, what's going to happen with this? And it eventually ends up getting a, sold off in pieces or parts or whatever, if there's no, no one's there to take it. And it, but, and and if it's not a business, what ends up happening and you're right, self-employment versus a business, you can kind of look at the rich dad, poor dad type of model. Guy Kawasaki talks about that, but the business should make money when you're on vacation. And if you're trying to build a legacy that you can hand down to your children, your kids don't want, I'm not saying they don't want, but a lot of kids don't want to take over your self-employment. They're willing to take over a company because it's a better life, right? But if you've been a plumber and and you do plumbing and you trade dollars for hours, they don't want to grow up and just inherit your truck and go do the same thing most of the time. And that's a lot of resistance and family businesses as you go, is it really a business or did we just not have to go get a job job? Exactly. And then what I was going to say is I think one of the opportunities from outside of this sphere is then you have companies or, or individuals who have experience developing systems, they would come in and they would purchase a bunch of plumbers, slap them all together, develop a system, make it more efficient and and roll that out on a grander scale and grow that. And what you're doing is offering sort of the opportunity to assist them in doing that themselves, getting to the place where they can you know develop these systems and processes in place so that they can cleanly move forward and, and go from being just a job that they've created for themselves to being an actual business. That's spot on. IEDC has a 
uh, entrepreneurship led economic development training. Can you tell me about yeah. that? Yeah, correct. So, um, so my story kind of in all of this is, um, I spent COVID, my COVID vacation, trying to figure out how to maximize my time when the whole world was shutting down. And so I spent the time, I went and got a master's degree in economic development and I got my CFP. And within that time frame, entrepreneur-led economic development has really become a, a kind of forefront topic. And IEDC at the forefront has brought forth this EDP program. So an entrepreneur development professional to CFP for entrepreneur-led economic development. And so the programming itself is driven a lot around the ETI type of model is how do you identify and support entrepreneurship, the idea of creativity or the idea of, of, of empowering technicians, people who have skill sets, but then also is as an economic development professional, how do we see in youth technology, CRMs, um, you know, uh, database management tools, ERPs, all these different kind of technology platforms to teach them or enable them to grow. Then you get into the innovation part, which is how do you, how do you drive creativity and how do you drive, you know, diversification and offerings? I mean, the big piece of it, which is always a driver. And, and I'm, I am here to tell you that I think it's the least important part for economic development, but it's perceived as the most important part is financing. So how do you pay for this stuff? Um, bootstrapping is near impossible for most people because you have to buy things in order to start your business. Right. You know? And even eat. if it's you yeah. and I starting, yeah. yeah, you and I starting a podcasting company, you still have infrastructure and you got to pay the bills. So, you know, whether it's a revolving loan fund, a no or low interest loan, CRA credits, you know, community development block grants, you know, how do you finance these things? Um, but in, in a lot of instances, there's ways to show. So like lean startup modeling or lean canvas modeling, will show entrepreneurs how to create pre-sale or pre-revenue. So even if you're a plumber, you can go out and sell memberships, right? You know, so you can sell that annual, I'll check your HVAC and plumbing for 200 bucks. Well, you get a thousand of them and you got $200,000. Well, and if you don't do the checkup for three months, to be fair, you got 200 grand in 90 days to figure out what you want to do. And so that's where, you know, I think, what IEDC is trying to do and really what I'm, I'm championing with, with economic development people is that kind of innovative thinking to look at entrepreneurs and solve their real issues. They don't need to know how to do, you know, tax accounting through Excel spreadsheets. It's that's nice, but unless you sell something, taxes don't matter. You know what I mean? Uh, legal contracts, irrelevant. If you don't have a marketplace that right. you can sell something. So I position a lot of what, what we talk about is, Teach them how to sell, empower them with the ability to lead generate, lead qualifying close. And what you will find is that that's the one thing they're terrified of. The second part of that is, is if you build it around their skill sets and their personality type, then you're not trying to create a salesperson out of someone who hates salespeople. What we could do is just like you and I, you could start a podcast, invite all the people who will be your referral partners to come on and interview them and make them the star. And a lot of times people go, well, that's not selling. It absolutely is. Absolutely. They send you a selling. referral. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And if you love doing that, then why would you ever sell a thing? Why would you ever go to a chamber mixer in your life? I would spend all my time doing the things I love that I know generate opportunities. And that is the backbone. I think of how you solve financing for entrepreneurs inside of economic development instances 
But that's where they, I don't want to say it's not me. There's plenty of people who do what I do, but that's where you need somebody who really is an expert in this kind of entrepreneurial space to be able to come in and say, you're worried about CRA and revolving loan funds and, and, you know, everybody wants angel groups and things like that. Investors want to invest in things that are safe. So what you have to do is solve the safety problem first, but you have really smart, driven, motivated people. You just have to walk them into those paths. They'll go do the work, but they just don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? If you, if you mm-hmm. only know that sales is, you know, knocking on doors and you'd never think that doing a podcast can make you a millionaire, but it absolutely can. Excellent points. Doing this podcast, you know, I talked a lot to economic <laughs> developers and honestly, I'm surprised. I, I didn't realize that I thought so differently than so many economic developers. They, you know, they're, they have this fear of selling. They have this fear of closing. They have this fear of doing the ask. They just have this fear of all, all this kind of stuff. And I, what you're yep. talking about, this, this idea that selling is conversation, selling is is not this sleazy sort of thing. That kind of lesson is is great for so many people in so many occupations, yep. especially as we're moving to this time in this era where everybody's going to have a lot of opportunities throughout their life to be entrepreneurial at, at you know various stages. Yep. And businesses are saying, hey, I don't want employees anymore. I want independent contractors. Well, hey, guess what? That means you're now entrepreneurial. You're in charge of your own time. You're in charge of your own, yep. you know, things and you got to sell yourself and you have to do that. So if you were going to teach, let's say you were going to offer some advice to, to economic developers on, you know, how to yeah. sell, how to do that, what would you say? Uh, wow, that's fantastic. I kind of love this question. Um, so the first thing I would do is I would, I would assess your personality. This sounds funny. Like there's a concept out there that says people who buy stuff are 70% sold before they ever ask a question. That's because they do research. So the reality is, is that you need to be an educator and an arbiter of connectivity. That's the job, right? Is, is I show you what you could do, and then I give you the chance to engage in it. But really, the question then becomes, is I would say, okay, Dane, what, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Let's go through like a strengths finder. Tell me what your strengths are. And this is the best way I can say it is when you're at your best, I mean, your best, you're like, I'm a hundred out of a hundred when I'm doing blank. I want to know what blank is. And then I'm going to ask you the other question. When you're at your worst, when you're just like, I can't, I, I will literally quit if you ask me to do this for 10 more seconds. What is that? Because then I can figure out how you operate internally, externally. So introvert, extrovert. Introverts can go be fantastic in crowds. They just burn out. Extroverts can be very quiet, but they get energy from people. So they could go, the extroverts are great at trade shows because they very rarely fizzle out. Yeah, I mean, even if they're quiet, they're exceptional because they love being around it and they love the energy where introverts, which I'm an extroverted introvert, I get burned out. I go, all right, I'm out. I need like three hours of quiet before I just start kicking people, you know, like I can't do this. Um, But that's what we do. So we look at your strengths, your weaknesses, and really your weaknesses to me are just the things you know you're not good at that you hate also. So they're demotivating. So I take who you are, what you're good at. And then what I do is I say, okay, where is your advantage? You know, so think about this. It's, it's like what you're doing. In economic development, how many people have a podcast? Three? Yeah, not many. Yeah, I can right. think of three. Right. You know, and how many of them have a background like yours in podcasting? You're, you're one of one. That's the beauty of it. So if you love this, you have the personality for it and the desire to participate in it, then the thing is, is you're in a category of one 
you will own this space. And now what I have to do now, my skill set is teaching you how to use this platform to generate and qualify leads for your business, for what you're trying to achieve at the end. What's funny is, is that if we do all that first part and do it well, the end of it is figuring out how to get leads is mostly psychographic and demographic analysis. Who are right. they? Where are they? Mm-hmm. What do they like? What do they do? And man, just, you know, go, go drop a fishing line in that lake. And I promise you, once they figure out that lure is there, they'll all bite. It's, it's very, very, very simple. But we as economic developers, primarily because we come from backgrounds of management, utilities, economics, we come from support side businesses, even our education. And so what you end up having a lot of times is that economic development is not led by entrepreneurs. So when they try to lead in an entrepreneurial initiative, they're doing the whole like, oh, I watch Shark Tank and those people seem to make it. Let's do Shark Tank. And it's, you know, that doing a pitch to an investor is the end of the cycle. And frankly, right, the most beginning. people yeah. uh-huh. ever, ever, ever need it. So, yeah. So that's my advice to all the economic development people out there is figure out who you are, what you're great at, like where you're your best, what you hate, and then look for platforms that you can shine doing the thing that you are just naturally gifted. Like, you know, you're the LeBron James. God just touched you and made you different. Live in that space. And that's, that's how you win. I'm, I'm. Again, I'm an introvert, but I crush trade shows. I'm so good at them. And so I always tell people, you want to go get stuff? Let's go to a trade show. I will come back with so many leads. You won't know what to do with yourself. Now, when the trade show's over, don't talk to me for a week, because I'm, but you'll have all the leads you can handle, so you won't have to worry about talking to me. You'll be plenty busy. So That's excellent advice. Figure out what you love. Figure out what you hate. You know, Find that thing in the middle. The truth is, not only will you be successful, you'll be happy right? You'll, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll finish the day, you'll be fulfilled and, right. uh, you know, you're doing well, what you love. What makes so. it sustainable and scalable as well. You know, when you love it, you're willing to go back tomorrow and do more of it. But you know, people, it's kind of the saying, people don't quit jobs. They quit managers. I don't even know that they quit managers. What they quit is they quit things they don't like doing. Right. And if the manager says cold call every day, you go, I'm out, man. I don't want to do this. But if I said do a podcast every day, you'd go, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow. Exactly. That's the difference. Right. So that's it. Hey, so I asked you in our pre-interview about tools and tips and things, and you had one that was super interesting and you said therapy. And I thought that was just an excellent thing. And you want to talk about why you suggest therapy as one of the tools that uh, could be useful. Yeah, I I think, um, so my entire background or I guess my passion behind all this is predicated on your mental state. So I believe that the psychology that, that you are experiencing is going to drive your success. And so what ends up happening, especially in entrepreneurship, but think about this in economic development. If you're doing attraction and you're going to giant conferences, you're spending all this money and your board is breathing down your neck, what are you going through? You're going through mental stress. There's a lot of frustration and anxiety. And maybe, maybe you're someone like me who has, you know, some touches of depression and ADD and things like that. And, you know, I don't usually tell people, so I'll just go ahead and make it public on a podcast. But, <laughs> you know, those, we deal with those. That's the reality of human beings is that we have these things, but we all want to act like, you know, I'll just grit it out. We talk about resilience and grit and toughness. And I go, man, forget all that mess. The thing of it is, is, you know, especially in economic development, especially in entrepreneurship, 
you're going to take some losses. I mean, you are going to eat, if it was alphabet soup, you're going to eat L after L after L after it's just losses all the time. So, you know, already you're going to get anxious. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to have a spouse who loves you or friends who love you or parents who love you who go, why the hell are you doing this? Quit. And you can't because you know, you're drawn in a different way. But the thing of it is, is that, you know, what's coming, you know, that bad day's coming, that sad day, that angry day. So if you know that, why would you not implement the one tool that has been proven over the history of human beings to be the most effective, which is therapy. Go talk to a psychologist or a social worker or a counselor who goes, I'm an expert in getting you out of your head and back to being awesome. And the majority of it is, is because you're doing things that you're not great at doing, but you feel that frustration. There's a lot of social stress or professional stress. You know, should you have a CFD? Who cares if you're killing it? Like, sorry, IEDC, I know you guys don't want to hear that, but <laughs> if you're just crushing it and they're going to put you in the economic development hall of fame, does having a pen make a lot of difference? Uh, maybe, right? But the thing of it is, is what the CFD does is it prepares you mentally it gives you confidence, right? It builds a network. You and I having a friendship improves my mental health. My mental health, when I'm strong in mind and strong in body, I am excellent in service. And so to me, that's just the, to me, that's the kind of underlying trick to this whole thing is we have to treat the person and then we can solve the business issue. And that's where I think BRE misses it. I think that's where small business development misses it is because we're trying to give you a skill. What I'm trying to do is build you up as a person because the skill you'll learn over time. But when you're a strong person, this business may not work. You may crash, you may go bankrupt, who cares? Because the next one you'll be better at because you'll be prepared for all of it. Wow, that is literally the the most holistic sort of system that I have ever heard. It like it encompasses all aspects of life and your your job and just, it's everything. That's a very interesting yeah take i can see why why you've been successful that that is cool they they are very lucky to have you there in uh colorado uh, yeah so what's next for you what what do you think you're gonna do yeah so um yeah if i had my chance to pitch to the world um you know i think the next level of this of of economic development i think economic development is going to be driven through innovation and entrepreneurship i think it's going to become just like we see in the workforce, become individualized. So this mm -hmm. model is going to make a ton of sense. My next move here is I'm actually, I'm looking for a partner in the business, someone who has a counseling background, a psychologist, a social worker, someone who can provide the, um, you know, at point of contact support for these individuals. Because again, I can give you this, I can give you this recipe, but it doesn't mean you'll implement it in your county or in your community in your city, right? But if you have entrepreneurs that you go, we're not really geared to help you guys well enough, but Hey, look, I know Zach, I know, you know, he's got a background in this stuff and they have social workers who are on staff who are here to support you, not only through the development of your talent and skill, but help you through the bad day that we know is coming. And so that's really the pursuit for me is, is next level is to expand our delivery model so that it is actually um, medically driven. Um, because right now, what I'm trying to do is, is use my background as an entrepreneur to say, I know what you're gonna go through, so you have to prepare. The challenge is, is I can't fully support you in helping you when you get there, because I'm not certified. Um, but if I had somebody or a team, then all of a sudden, 
we're, we're the whole piece for you. And the reality is, is at that point, if your people in your county are using our service and crushing it and growing businesses and diversifying your ecosystem, who cares if I live in Colorado? It doesn't make any difference. It's like having me and an entire team with you all the time. And so um, that's the big play. And, uh, and if that doesn't work out, I'm just going to go get my PhD in policy and become a professor. We'll see. Wow. Uh, I got accepted into a program. I don't know. Uh, you know, the standards must be real low right now post COVID because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm smart, but I'm kind of a knucklehead too, but, uh, you know, they'll let me in. I'll also walk down that path too. So, wow. Uh, so we'll, we'll see we'll let, one of the two. Let's hope this, this COVID doesn't continue for too much longer because yeah, who knows right. what will happen to you on the outside. Um, what's the, you know, how do you sell this, you know, to our boards? Yeah. How do you sell this service? Cause I mean, this is, uh, you know, um, it sounds great. And having been in this myself, I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying is hundred percent true, but, uh, let's say I take this to my board or, you know, economic developers take it to their board and, and they're yep. like, Hey, we got this idea. Yep. Uh, this is the service we want to provide. Yeah, uh, we want to use this. How how do we sell it? Because the the return is going to take. It's not instant. You know, this is not something mm. that you know is going to pay off tomorrow. We're not going to see huge wins. Right. But like, how do we sell this? So you you won't. But I will argue that you will. So think of it like this: What does every local business owner talk about? The need for better talent. Right. The challenge with the challenge with talent is: is Are they asking for people who are gifted talent or skilled? And usually what they're saying is skill. They're going, I need people who can do stuff. And I need people who are dynamic. They can't just do a thing. They need to do multiple things. Who's the best at doing all things? Entrepreneurs. So if you look at it as a workforce initiative, that's your first play. The second play is, is that you can use your training and your programming to get you into the doors for your BRE visits. So now all of a sudden, these people who may be reluctant because everyone hates the government, blah, blah, blah. You know, economic developers, what's the hardest thing? Get someone to actually sit with you and tell them what your problem is. But when you run programs that solve those problems or you go to them and you say, we will build programs to solve your problem, then all of a sudden it's a little bit different. And it's different when it's the BRE person asking because they know that person isn't skilled to deliver it. When it's the entrepreneurial director asking, they know that my only job is to solve problems. And so it's changing perspective. And then I'll tell you that the third win, so it's workforce, it's BRE. And the third win is, is that you want to recruit tech companies. And and I know Texas doesn't recruit inside. I get it. Uh, But you want to recruit companies from Nashville. You know, we want to recruit companies from Austin and San Jose and, you know, Salt Lake City. And what do those companies in the most progressive the most business informatic and analytic and tech-driven companies, they want to see entrepreneurial ecosystems. They want to see talent development. So what you're doing is you're preceding your one of your biggest pieces in your attraction marketing model, where you go, we have a system where your people will come here, they'll in, integrate into the community well, because we have this, They'll build skills and dynamicism while they're going through it. Dynam- dynamicism, I think that's the word. They'll become more dynamic, right? So you have PhD, I like that, dynamicism. Uh, but they'll become more dynamic in what they're doing. And within that, right, is now you're starting to connect people across jobs. So now the insurance people who are going through your training programs are meeting the software company. And instead of them buying their software from New York City, 
they're buying their software from Colorado Springs, from a Colorado Springs provider, to a Colorado Springs company. I get it, the people who write it may, may be in Vermont, but the money stays local as opposed to us exporting our cash because we lack connectivity. So when I sell this, this is what I'm selling. Entrepreneurship is, is a sheep and wolf's, or a wolf in sheep's clothing. What you're really doing is you're enhancing business retention. You're very much creating a dynamic workforce because the people who fail will become the best employees, guaranteed, right? Right. And you are giving yourself a feather in the attraction marketing model that just other cities don't have. Go talk to that CEO of a tech company and so say, we have an entrepreneur and innovation development program. Our economic development group runs and look and go, you have my attention. Tell me more. And really think about it. If we're doing lead generation, what are we trying to get to? I just want you to say, tell me more. If you, tell, if you say that, I got you 80% right. of the time. Right. So that's, that's how we sell it. Um, and people love it. It's a nice PR play too. So for people who are trying to show investment in the community, it's one of the few things economic development people can do that actually is accessible to the entire community. There's no socioeconomic. There's, it, it's when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion entrepreneurship does not care about how much you make your background, your religion, your race, your sexual identity. It literally says, do you think you can do something? And are you willing to do the work? And our job as economic developers is just to build them some structure so that they can have the best opportunity to be successful. And that's it. So I think it's a huge DEI play long-term as well. That's fantastic. I'm sold on this if you hadn't figured it out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hey, you're selling me on it. So that's good. Hey, so if people want to reach out to you, they want to get in touch. They want yeah. to find out more. Uh, what's yeah. the best way for them to do yeah. that? Uh, you know what? I'm going to be crazy and I'm going to do uh, one that everyone does and the one that nobody wants to do. So uh, they can reach me via email. It's Zach, V-A-C-H at startsupported.com. Uh, and I'll give my phone number. This is my mobile phone number. And I know this is probably insanity to do, but if people want it, 615-504-7062. Um, Calls are great. Texts are way better because if you're on a call, it's hard to always jump off. But if anyone has questions, look, they don't even have to buy this stuff. I don't care if they're interested in having the conversation. Maybe a nugget of what I give them is a game changer for their community. And man, when I'm laying on my deathbed, I'm more worried about that than if I made an extra hundred bucks next month. So I'm, I'm in. Anybody out there needs help? Y'all just call. I'm in. Good deal. Excellent. Zach, uh, you've been a great guest. I'm so glad to have you. It's good to see you. Absolutely. Uh, you look great. If you're like having a good skiing, time, man, come on. Yeah, Ski absolutely. It's in three months, four three months. months that'll be, you know, hopefully that's about the end of Delta. And then, you know, we yeah. can, yeah, I'll get back Actually, to fun. Ski season was open last year. They just had a very, very, very tampered down as far as people. Uh, you know, I don't want any COVID. I hope Delta goes away. But I will say, fringe benefit, man, skiing was fantastic. Lines were short, powder days were long. It was beautiful. So, uh, Hit me up and we'll go. And if you don't know how to ski, I can teach you in about two hours. Good deal. No, hey, it'll be fun. Uh, I look forward to it. We'll do it. Absolutely. Thanks, Dane. See you, bud. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.